this is Jim Dolan uh, from Pride of Irons. Um, coming with our weekly update, which is usually with a rival fan. Um, sadly, we couldn't get hold of anyone from Manchester City's Canal Street Blues. And the lovely Rob is unable to make it today, but got a special guest. We've got, uh, what, what should we call you? Author, uh, journalist, historian, I guess, throw in there as well. Yeah, I mean, that's a bit grand, but you go and put it in there. I'll, I'll take yep. it. So author, <laughs> <laughs> journalist, historian. It's Luke Turner. Welcome, Luke. Hi, Jim. How's it going? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. Um, you know, I think lockdown is, is what it is. Um, yeah. We just kind of find stuff to do, and they, that's where this comes in. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think we've got a bit to talk about this. We're given, we don't have a guest. We don't uh, have to necessarily go through... The same set of steps but i do want to go through some of the questions that we usually put to the opposition and kind yeah. of get your view on it um then maybe we'll talk about the spurs game and then kind of any aob i think you and i've spoken quite a bit about um you know the the ownership situation we might want to dip into that um yeah, and yeah. the other bits afterwards but um yeah uh before before we get before we jump straight in how have you been keeping in lockdown you've been keeping yourself busy just working uh you know, cooking, just doing what everyone else has done. The garden looked very nice this summer. <laughs> so we got a little garden and it was like trying to, actually you sort of realise that to, to do a garden properly, you have to spend a lot of time in it. But um, yeah, it's been all right. It's been all right. I've been keeping on. But I must admit, it's the kind of, it's a bit frustrating, isn't it, as a West Ham fan? Because last season, it was just that like every weekend was being ruined by spending your, like your Saturday going down to Stratford and then just getting depressed and then wandering around Westfield in a depressed bleak days afterwards and then this season when you know you, you kind of thought oh maybe it's maybe it's for the best we're not going because it's just going to be awful and then you think now actually the way the way things are I wish, I wish we were there but uh, yeah no ab know. absolutely um I mean yeah I, I really really wish we were able to go to games but then part of me wonders if that's um it's some kind of weird lockdown influence you know the opposition fans don't aren't there either which kind of may hinder their teams i think you know we, we do sometimes have some negativity around the stadium so maybe us not being there is helping yeah. who knows who knows at this at this point um i must I guess we'll be, find I, out I when mean, we go back yeah i've been interested i was kind of thinking that maybe some like anderson i was i was because people everyone really turned on him uh I, th I felt last season and i was kind of wondering like if he was going to kind of come back into his own a little bit without like everyone screaming at him, it was a lazy whatever. Um, but it didn't seem to fans or no fans, he just seemed to be a bit off the boil, didn't he? But it's it's be interesting to know. They must they must have some kind of sports psychologist who, who sort of knows the the how it works with fan with the confidence at the moment. There must be people studying it across across the leagues really about what what the impact of ha not having fans in stadium is the stadiums is is having on the players. I, I'd be interested yeah. to know that. I think the other thing, of course, is just the sheer volume. Um, it must be so much easier to communicate on the pitch. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Because you can really hear that on those behind-the-scenes films that the club are putting out, which I really like. You get a lot of the, the kind of tactical chat and encouragement, which is really interesting to hear. So so are you a, sound, um, a, a fake crowd noise on or off kind of guy? Uh, I like it on, and I think if you you can at the right camera angle, just about convince yourself that it's that it's real. Um, you know, <laughs> I, on, on on the radio, I think it's it's very convincing. Though you, they seem to be kind of on the radio, they seem to be quite um, equal in like giving 
different the team chants to both sides and stuff like that, which I'm not quite sure whether you'd normally hear it in quite in that way. But um, I do find yeah, it a bit I like weird. It's, I, I can't remember which game it was now, but one team that we we beat and uh, it was at their ground and like the the, the smart system, the intelligence that, that does this because it's not a, it's not a person sat there, you know. Apparently, it's the, an algorithm, um, and the, the 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 digital home fans started booing. <laughs> I was like, that's that's a bit. You know, <laughs> yeah, wasn't that so it's kind of like kicking them while they're down? Was that um. Wasn't that wasn't it with like Norwich or Watford at the end of our season? I think just, it, at, the, at the end of the game, every, every all of our touches, it just every, every, it was just constant booze for everything. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Something like that. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I quite enjoy it. The sound off just because it's it's different. I'm, I'm, I like listening to how the players communicate with each other. Yeah. But uh, yeah, before we jump into the the, the questions, um, what, why West Ham for you? Uh, inheritance, basically, um, from my dad. Uh, though he, I've sort of worked it out really. Like my dad, my granddad was from Leighton, was a big great Leighton Orient fan, and then my dad was West Ham. And I kind of think, actually, you were a glory hunter, weren't you, Dad? Because he was born <laughs> in 1948, so he was, he was, you know, he, it kind of like the, the great years. But yeah, he was West Ham. He used to go every week to Upton Park. He actually um, used to referee on Wanstead Flats, and actually refereed come some of the players when they were coming coming through. Um, he's the same age as Trevor Brooking. He's sort of that era, really. Um, okay. And and because he was a teacher in the East End, he'd go to the bowling before games, and, it, it, and some of the parents uh, of the if his kids worked behind the bar in the bowling, and they'd be like, "Mr. Turner," and he'd get his uh, pint for everyone else. So, yeah, he was. So I inherited it through him, really. Um, and you know, like. I was really into it as a kid, um, in, as an early teenager, and then I sort of went away from it. I think the kind of the, uh, that '90s laddism movement just really wasn't for me. I was I was really into music, and that back then it was very tribal. Like if you were into kind of like bands, I was like Suede and Pulp. You just weren't really into football, which is silly, really, because now now I find out like. Neil Codling from Suede, the kind of real pretty boy, like the, the absolute prettiest member of Suede, is a massive Villa fan. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it, it's like when uh, you see um, the guy from Kasabian when he went on to Soccer AM and just did that amazing, like he flicked it up with his heel and then booted it through the the, the hole. You're yeah, like, you're like a cool band, and he was like wearing these really pointy shoes as well. But yeah, I think you're right. I think in the '90s there was this weird kind of like you were. You know, if you think about the movie Mean Girls and they've got the tribes around the canteen and they've got, you know, the, the nerds and the jocks and all the rest of it. I think, like, in the 90s, it was almost like you were either the NME crowd or the, or the you know, the FHM and Loaded crowd, in a way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it's like. So I went away from it for a long time, but I'd always keep it. It was weird. I was, I was kind of, like, doing a lot of, you know, loving music wearing flamboyant clothes, shall we say. And, you know, I was, I was sort of very out about, sexu about bisexuality and all this sort of stuff. But I was always a, a closet football fan. I was still always checking West Ham scores every week. I, you know, and I went, I went to watch, I didn't go to games as such, but I went, I went to, I'd always go to the pub to watch like, important games. And then just in the past few years, I've really got back into it in a, in a big way, partly through Pride of Irons and feeling that, you know, there was... It does. You you can be LGBT plus and and not excluded from football. You know, I very much felt you know when I actually you know first time I went to see us play, my dad took me 
uh, we actually beat City. So, you know, it's kind of a, in, the, in the 90s. And I loved it. It was so exciting. But there was a certain aggression and a, some of the homophobia and stuff. And that was at an age when I was really confused about sexuality and I felt quite afraid uh, of, of people kind of being like that. Um, and, it, and it put me off for a bit. But now I'm, you know, properly out out and proud <laughs> it is funny though what you said about being like a closet football fan because um yeah i think it's, it's it's still a weird thing now i think sometimes when you talk to other people in the community and they're like oh you like football um and 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 understandably why you know a lot of people put off of football because of uh either past experience or stereotypes but i think yeah having groups like this hopefully we'll start to bridge the gap and and see more people um, going to games because absolutely it's just I think I just feel like if you're not if you haven't tried football um, and or if you've tried it and you don't like it fine but if you haven't tried it there's a potential you're missing out on something amazing because there really is in many ways nothing like being at a game and just being absolutely obsessed with what's going on the pitch and the euphoria the rising euphoria and despair I guess <laughs> of, of, a, of yeah. a crowd environment is just is something else yeah, I must admit, I, you know, my job's kind of writing about music and I've been to a lot of gigs over the years and now I'm like 41 and I've probably been to a lot of gigs and got a bit jaded by it and they're a bit frustrating and everything. And, and like going to football a lot more regularly has definitely re replaced that euphoria, particularly as loads of the musicians are like keep dying or getting cancelled and stuff. Oh, God. Sort of like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about, you know, Morrissey and... Uh, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Ian Brown and, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Right, so let's, if we jump into the questions I usually ask a member of the opposition. Um, yeah. and this is an interesting one. I think, yeah, we touched on this before, before we started the recording. Um, and that's usually I ask, what is what do you make to the start of the season? Now, given we are... Um, what we five games in four games in um this point last season you know looking through the results we were doing quite well then so we still had pellegrini um we still sort of you know we were just off the back of this huge hundred million pound or however much it was um spending spree um, and we were doing pretty well now this season we're also doing pretty well very different circumstances and somehow it feels it feels more real but yeah, how yeah. are you finding it at the start of this season? Uh, I agree, to be honest. I mean, last season I went to the first game. We got absolutely panelled by City. I thought we were bad. Um, I missed the Norwich game. I didn't even watch that one because I was away in the middle of nowhere. So I missed that game. And then I watched the Man United game. Uh, and I was like, we beat them, but I didn't think we were very good. You know, I think they were, they were terrible, but we weren't brilliant. And I was just, there was something about it that wasn't convincing me. And then, of course, you know, it, it really went down very quickly. And I didn't feel that, it, you know, that the end of the last season before what quite, you, I still didn't feel like in Pellegrini's first season, we really knew what we were as a team. We did all right, but it, it didn't, I didn't really feel there was something gelled there. Um, last season, obviously, just it just didn't feel that at all. I mean, there was, you, you could really see we were, we, we managed to scrape some good results, you know, against Watford and not Norwich, you know, who got relegated and were terrible. You think how awful Watford were at that point uh, in the season. They were, they yeah. were really in the, in the, just dire and they had a bit of a resurgence. But they, you know, we, we, we relegated both of those teams. Of course, yeah, we did well against them. So this season, I'm a lot more confident. I must admit, I'm, I'm more of a moist 
believer than uh, a lot of our fans. Were you, so, so when his first period, were you one of the seemingly few who wanted him to stay? Um, I think I was a bit, <clears throat> I was a bit seduced by the Pellegrini um, appearance, to be honest. I think like a lot of us, we were like, wow, he's a big name. He must be able to do it, you know. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, my, I mean, yeah, my, my dad's annoying. He's off right. He was like, oh, I should never have got rid of boys. He, 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 he could have done something really good. Um, and I think, yeah, I probably was, I was excited to see Pellegrini. But, you know, what I really think we need is not some fancy manager who's got a pedigree at clubs where he's got a huge amount of money um, and an infrastructure. What I think we need is somebody for stability who's, who's quite tough. And, and I think in Moyes, maybe that's, that's what we've got and what we need. Yeah, I, I mean, I I made the point uh, sort of middle of last season, well, when, when Moyes sort of first came back after his first couple of games, that everyone was knocking him because he was like the reject. He was you know, the one that nobody wanted. And we only brought him back because we were desperate and cheap. Was basically, you know, that was that was the, the, the attitude of, of most people. But um, they were pointing to, you know, Man United, what he, what he, you know, he didn't manage to do anything there. And anything since then, he's not really done much. I know he went to Sunderland and got um, relegated, but they were on that path for, for so long. Yeah. Um, but I think that the thing with, with, with Moyes, I know people want to knock him for Man United, but he went to a club that had huge, huge expectations. Um, Ferguson had just left, but he'd, and he'd, they'd just won the title, hadn't they? But he just kind of scraped through with the tail end of the careers of a lot of good footballers. You know, he, he inherited quite an old team there. And the expectations were sky high. And to be honest, when he's inheriting that kind of team and replacing that kind of manager, I think you're doomed to fail. I think yeah. with us, it's slightly... And we kind of went the other way, right? So we went for a manager who was well out of our league and who was used to dealing with big budgets and used to, you know, dealing with, I guess, a you know, bigger sort of club with a better um, infrastructure and scouting system. So it's almost like us and Moyes went the opposite directions. Um, <laughs> and, and now we've kind of met in the middle because it's like... I think we're, you know, look at Everton and look at us. I don't think we're a million miles away from each other in terms of, you know, status, size, um, you know, expectation, fan base. Well, actually, I suppose we've probably got more fans um, just being a London club and, and having more presence. And look at how we fill that stadium. But I think, you know, I think we're a better match for Moyes than Man U were. And I think he's a better match for us than Pellegrini was. Yeah, absolutely. And I think he's a man who's got something to prove. Like this is his last chance in the high le top level management, isn't it? If he if he if he messes this up, uh he's never gonna get a good job again. And I think you know, I, I don't think that they you know, it was harsher than to drop him last time. It was I felt sorry for him for coming back in a way, just like, you know, sloppy seconds choice. You know, here he is back again. But will he keep us up, you know, and, and everyone just being an ass to him. But I think you've only got to look at just how together the team feels. You remember like some of the worst bits towards the end of Pellegrini's period, like in December, um, and they just looked, the players looked depressed. Every time we went behind or the opposition scored, their hands were down. There was no... He looked depressed, didn't he? Hmm? Pellegrini looked depressed. Like He looked yeah. like... Um, I don't know, like a, a sad, tired uncle at the end of a party who just wants to go home. 
Yeah, he does. He goes. He has. He looked like sort of like a wet dog that's been out for ages. His eyes yeah. sort of like hanging off his face and his his shaggy mane. And it was. And you know, you were hearing reports of like the, the team had almost like been fighting and stuff like this. And and then, uh, yeah, and you know, it took Moyes a while to get going. You know, but obviously he was he was inheriting a shit show. And we still had Roberto in goal. I mean, when you've got somebody who's who's just like might as well have a, have a Gouda cheese in goal. Then the you, rest of the team is 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 not going to be happy. Uh, and I think um, you know when after lot after the when the restart happened, we had those two dodgy games, and then we were really good. And we had uh, the dodgy Newcastle game at the start of this season, but since then we've been really good. And I and I think now it's time we've got to start putting the face in faith in him. And also he's he's got that that the coaching. あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あ
yeah, I mean, I think it, it's a testament to to that kind of um, eye that you've, you know, for, for a player that you've now got opposition fans and you talk to them and say, well, you know, which player are you sort of most keeping an eye out for when we play you? And they're talking about Suchek, who's been there five minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, he's it's, it's made a great impact. Um, so if you were an opposition fan, I'd be asking you what your view of West Ham is. Obviously, you know, you're not. Um, the, the, the opposition we're facing this weekend, Man City, um, thoughts what what you know so what we try and get out of this is you know we've got the tribalism of of, of football uh, obviously the last podcast we talked to Sam who's a very nice guy but he was Spurs and we kind of talked through the the honest <laughs> facts around the fact we don't like each other but Man City speaking as a, as a West Ham fan what's your take on Man City fans yeah I mean I, I always think that they were similar to us weren't they they were always about the same level it always felt they were a kind of similar kind of club in a way like not big not a big club always jumping between the divisions kind of really hardcore fan base that was that was well I always felt there's a lot of mutual respect between City and, and West Ham and you know the first first game I ever went was City West Ham so it always has a sort of special memory for me and I it's that weird thing though isn't it when now what do I think of them I think they're just a really rich team and 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 it's <laughs> it, and it's like what you know, and they all start moaning that they've got too many fixtures, and it's like, well, you know, tough. That's what happens when you've got all the money to basically buy your way into the Champions League and everything. It's it's a bit like, I, I, you know, and, and I think you know, obviously maybe there's a bit of sour grapes because if, if something happens and we end up with all of that coin, and suddenly West Ham are challenging for the Premier League. But you know, I've seen I've seen us lose by huge margins to City, uh, to City. What was it, that dreadful statistic that they scored more goals at London Stadium than any of our strikers or something like that? It, it, there oh, was some yeah. horrible statistic going yeah, around. Yeah, easily. I can't be quite the, the conjugation of it. But I, I can believe that that's exactly what it was. Yeah, <laughs> was it 4-1, four, 5-1, four, one, one, four, nil. These yeah. sorts of score lines. And I must admit, you sort of go in there and you think, what, what do you get out of this as a City fan? You know, where's, where's, you've got to have the pain. You know, you've got to have, you've got to have But the, don't you uh, think they've had so many years of pain in the past that they, now it's, it's hard to, to, you know, it's not like they're sitting there. Okay, okay, let me rephrase. There's probably some City fans who are young enough to have known more good years than bad. But yeah. for the majority of their fan base, who we know football supporters stick around and go, you know, season ticket holders go for years and years and years. They've got generations, they've got decades of, of pain to, to remember. So maybe it is still doing? that good. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 like, I like City. I, I rather them than Liverpool, to be honest. Um, I, but... I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, they're, they're they're fine. I just it's just that thing. They are one of those uh, when you see a team that was around the same level as you, and then the money comes in, and then they go. Whoo, it's just a bit. It's the problem I find with football, like with all this talk this week about this sort of super Premier League across Europe or whatever. Yeah, no. And it, that, and, it, and it is that there we are in this horrible state now, where you kind of there's the really rich teams, and then there's the rest of us. And you're all kind of a bit grudging, and but you're also really kind of hoping you get bought by somebody who's got tons of cash, who's going to pump it all in, and you're going to get massive yourself. It's a rich um, person's plaything now, isn't it? Football. Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, it is. Um, I mean, for me, I think yeah, I, I agree with with most of what you said there. Actually, I think we 
historically similar clubs. Um, I think their fan base has kind of always stuck around and supported them, you know, up or down. I think Newcastle is another one, you know, I yeah, think, yeah. Um, people knock them sometimes for their delusions. But uh, when they when they went down, um, St. James's Park was still full. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a similar working class kind of thing as well between us and them. Um, what I do, I do give them some credit because I don't think that transforming them was an overnight exercise. Um, and I don't think they, you can give them the same kind of accusations of sort of plastic fans and stuff as other clubs who have attracted new fans since they became rich. I think Man City fans have still kept their identity. Um, I also like that they kind of slowly did it, didn't they? They went, annoyingly for us, they went for players like Bellamy. They went for the yeah. better players from other teams. Rather than just going superstar, 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 they just got the better players and then they started to replace those gradually and they just built up and up and up. But um, I also like the fact they invest in like their women's team and yes. youth teams and the infrastructure around the club. And actually, you know, a lot of people criticise... Um, that part of the world and I know part of the failed Newcastle um, takeover a lot of people were sort of saying well what about the human rights kind of aspects of people from from the Middle East but they really support their LGBT group over at City um, so I think it's important not to judge people from their backgrounds because clearly you know they are doing you know they're, they're kind of walking the walk in terms of what they're doing over here um, yeah, it may have been a dark say, past I don't know about. That I'm yeah. about to, someone's probably going to comment on this and go, did you know they support with this? But, you know, I can only go by what I know on the face of it, yeah. which is they, they are supporting all of those different areas of their club, not just the, the first team. Yeah, I think uh, uh, the, the guy we were going to potentially have on today, but he's, he, he couldn't do it, uh, my friend Matt, um, he's, he's a big supporter of the Man City women's team. He comes down to watch, watch them when they beat us. <laughs> Um, but and he was saying about just how it may, how brilliantly they look after the women's team there, and they get the really good facilities. You'll notice that whereas our social media is men's and the women's is separate, they put theirs together. And I think just a little simple thing like that, having the women's football team news and, and, and match day stuff going out through the main team, that just sends a really positive message, doesn't it? Um, yeah, I, th I, well, I, I think that there's, there's an argument for both because I do like that our women's team are very well supported and they have their own, you know, they are still part of the club and on the main site it's all one club. But to have their own socials and have their own voice is, is good. But yeah, I do suppose then the downside to that is that, you know, you've got the women's team has X amount of followers and the, and the first team has a huge amount. Um, yeah, so I can see both sides of it. Yeah. Um, so both, I'm going to ask, have you answer for, for both teams? Um, at the beginning of the season, we first talked to Brandy and, um, and to Rob. I think Brandy said that she saw us finishing around 9th to 12th, is what she said. And Rob said no higher than 15th, although now he's getting a bit giddy because of how well we're doing. <laughs> where, where, where do you anticipate? And you, know, you don't have to think well, what you thought back at the beginning of the season, based on what you've seen so far, but also what you know about West Ham starting well um where, where do you see us finishing realistically um i think antonio's hamstring's gonna go at some point he you know he, he was subbed off on sunday with ice on his leg and it was troubling him and i think that puts a great big unknown into the how we can do i mean there's 
there's potential. I think Ben Rama and Haller can link up quite well in the way that Dean Garner and Haller were in pre-season before we stupidly sold him. But um, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to get carried away. I, I kind of feel we're not going to be in a relegation uh, scrap this year. I, I feel a bit more positive about that. I mean, I don't know about you, but I've got friends who support West Brom and Burnley. And that, that cheers me up no end talking to them. I mean, um, I, I think, I, I, so I, I kind of think we'll be okay, but I don't think we're going to finish top 10. I think we could if we were really lucky with injuries. Uh, that, that's my feeling. If we, if, if we can keep everyone fit, we might be able to do sort of eighth or ninth perhaps. But I, I just can't see that happening because it's West Ham, isn't it? And we've got out of our squad, we've, what, what having 23, four players, four of them are keepers. Uh, yeah. What happens if Rice or Suchek um, gets injured and then suddenly we've got a massive hole in midfield? Antonio is just brilliant at the moment. Is Can Haller step up? There's just so many nervy, nervy questions I have about it, about the sort of depth of the squad and the, our usual, usual injury crisis that we always seem to have. Uh, we, I mean, we we are I'm t- touching the wood all right at the moment um but there will be one so i think that will that will kipper us a bit and you know it's west ham so we might i could you know we, we we've been doing really well against these teams where everyone expects us to lose i could just see us going to play fulham and they have a, their first win of you know or they have the first sort of a brilliant performance of the season and they beat us and then as they will score against us at palace and then suddenly we we're doing a typical West Ham and we're losing against the team. I love the way team. you started off really positive and now you've, you've gradually talked yourself out of it. She <laughs> yeah, <I know>. has <laughs> <laughs> of experience, Jim, you know. <laughs> oh, this, this, is, this is exactly the thing. I think um, if, if, I was, if I was the, you know, David Moyes or the club or whatever, I would be paying uh, Antonio to have a, a, a personal um, physio who's just on call 24 hours a day who yeah. pops around there in the morning and gives him a massage <laughs> after his shower who gives him another one at lunchtime makes him do his str- I, you know because he's that important to us yeah and um, I think yeah traditionally we are only a couple of injuries away from falling apart um, it's funny because we've we, you know, obviously we've done quite well so far but we've done quite well against teams people expect us to be spanked by but is that not the West Ham way? You alluded, you know, you just alluded yeah, to it yeah, there. Exactly. We would. It's typical of us to do well against teams that we shouldn't, and then the ones around us, or you'd expect to be around and below us, are the ones where we somehow struggle. And there's nothing more West Hammy than uh, breaking a record for someone else. So do you remember when Torres went to? I always use this example because it's the it's the one that sticks in my mind. Torres went to Chelsea and just had that barren spell. He did not score a single goal. Yeah. First time they play us, like we know he's going to score, and he did. And that—that's yeah. that, the West Ham. That—that that is the West Ham way. <laughs> so you can imagine yeah. Fulham being on the receiving end of that fortune and, and getting yeah. that. It's uh oh god. Yeah, now I'm so, talking I mean, was, myself out of any positivity. Yeah, I mean it's, it was that typical. You know, I thought you know Newcastle game to start the season. You just knew Callum Wilson was going to score. You know, it was just course, he always yeah. does. He, he was just guaranteed and. You know, that was the sort of, I thought that was the sort of performance we were going to get. I think I'd forgotten how good we kind of were at the end of last season. But then we did, we did, we were playing against lower teams. But, I mean, we nearly, we could have got something against City and Liverpool last time we played both of them. So, you know, it's hard to tell them. But I think, I don't, I kind of, I'm a bit, okay, I'm going to go back to being positive. We're not, we're we're not going to be in a relegation scrap, hopefully. 
I think we'll be all I, right. I hope perspective. that these wins will build momentum. I hope that momentum carries into the City game and we manage to, if not win, then draw. And if not draw, at least not, at least be competitive. Um, and if we can get continue that momentum and then take that into the, the games against teams where we should win, but we never do, that that's what's going to take yeah. us forward. Um, look at, looking at City, where do you expect them to finish? Because right now, and I know it means nothing at this point in the season, but right now they're actually below us. Yeah, no. um, and for, for the for the bigger teams, a slow start can make a huge difference in terms of trying to compete up at the top of the table. Do you think they're kind of their time's up with being a you know an, an obvious contender, or it's just a bad spell? I don't know, really. I mean, you you think they've got the the manager, they've got the resources to pull themselves together. I know they've got a lot of injuries at the moment, haven't they? They they. I mean, you kind of think a team like City, what who gives a task because your your squad's so good, but. Um, I don't know. Mate. I, are they going to challenge for the title this year? I'm not. I'm not sure they are. To be honest, um, I don't but, think it'll be Villa. Uh, I, I don't yeah, think yeah, it'll so be Villa. Everton and Villa are up there, right? <laughs> <In a way>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do. You know I warned people about Villa when I said I want us to send them down the last day because they invested a huge amount last summer because they've got a, yeah. a new owner. I said they're going to invest a load more. They are going to be pushing. They're going to be doing it the right way. Um, so no, no offense if if. For some reason, there's a Villa fan listening to this, which would be weird. But um, you know, no, no offense, but I really wanted them to get relegated because I, I just suspected that they would definitely push on, and, and they really are. They're really, uh, yeah. yeah. Who, who would it, I would be really happy if there's anyone who wasn't one of the the usual contenders because that season that Leicester won. All right, I think we we're all a little bit bitter that it wasn't us, but I think we we're all pleased that it wasn't one of the the you know the obvious sort of four, five, six. So. Yeah, any, if anyone else took it, I'd be over the moon. Yeah, I, I, I would. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I like Ancelotti, and I, I kind of like Everton as as well. I think historically they're an interesting club. They're not Liverpool. I'd, I'd really like them to to do it. Um, I and mean, I'd love Villa's run to continue. I think that's a great story that they've just stayed up in the last. You know, my heart was saying I wanted them to stay up when we played them. My head was saying, you know, like you like you like you just pointed out, they're gonna be a threat next season in a way that probably Bournemouth wouldn't, um, which makes it one team easier for us. Um but you know, we we did them a favour and now look at them. I mean that that yeah. that seven two against Liverpool was just it was just it was just incredible. But on that but weekend when you think like we beat Leicester three nil, now usually that would make us first on match today. That would be the talking yeah. point. And then you get the Spurs result and the and the Villa result. Yeah. Crazy. But I do think this, uh, that's the interesting thing this season. Like you mentioned that, that, you know, we did all right in that season. Leicester won the league. You know, maybe it's one of the... Maybe now and then again, you're going to get that, that a season where things get a bit disrupted. And I was talking to a mate of mine, um, and he was... So we had an interesting point. He's like, you know, there's been some very high scoring games the amount of goals scored this season is ridiculous by this point and he's saying i wonder if attackers because there's no crowds they're getting that they're more confident they don't suddenly realize they've got you know you've been stared at by thousands of people who are just willing you to not fuck up so you you end up doing that you know so like performance anxiety but yeah yeah exactly and and, and strikers and and midfielders or whoever are they're not having performance anxiety except Pablo Fornals 
Sunday, no, I, no I, I'm going to defend Fornells because he's a short guy and I don't think he could get over that ball. I, I mean, I've, I've really? watched it back a few times and I, right. he was kind of under it, which is why it's gone over. And he is short. So to expect him to leap up enough to get on top of that ball, <laughs> I, I feel like he's getting a hard time. You, you've seen me defend him in our, in our WhatsApp. I, know, I, I really like Fornells. I, 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 all through last season, I was kind of defending him. I, I, I like him as a player. I think he works... Hardy, like a little terrier. Yeah, and he cares about the club. I think he's, you know, he's being played out of position. Um, but I, I really like him as a player. You know, I, I'm a big fan. But I did, yeah. And maybe you're right. It was just too much, too much of that, and not enough of that. But. Um. So I'm not going to go through all of the things we usually go through. I'm going to jump straight ahead to um, what, what do you see being the scoreline this weekend, and who do you think is going to score? Uh, I I really want us to. to I mean, the thing is, it's we. They're not. They're not sort of tactically a real solid team, are they? They're quite. It's going to be quite back and forth. I think. Hopefully, they're not. They're not. We're better on the counter, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. And and I don't know. I kind of. I'm, what I really hope is a high-scoring game that we win three-two. You know, that's that's the optimistic. Uh, the optimistic thing. I think, I really think we could finally, we could, after what is it, 2016 or something, we last got and we must beat them or something like that. I think we could get Probably. something, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to say 3 2, but it may be 2 2, something like that. What do you reckon? Well, no, you've got, you've got to commit to one. I'm going to make ah. you commit. Come on. I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to go for the optimism and I'm going to say, no, no. Well, the optimism is two-two. Actually, I'm going to say two-two. Two-two. Okay. Yeah, and I think Antonio will score because he, he missed a week, didn't he? Um, yeah. And Bowen, I think Antonio and Bowen. Two-two. So last last week, I uh, I think Sam went for three-two to them, and Rob went for uh, three-two to us. And I went for a nil-nil draw. So we're all kind of, you know, they did well. They did well in terms of like high scoring, and I, I got the result. Right. You got the draw without the goals. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go the other way this week, and I'm going to say four-four. Four-four. All right. Yeah. Four-four. Wow. I, I don't think I'm, by in any means I'm going to be right, but I'm thinking. I, I hope that it is like you say, a really attacking game. I hope we win it. I hope it's not four-four. I hope it's four-nil to us. But. Um, yeah, I just I can't see there being no goals in this one. No, which probably no means way. we'll end up with none. But um, yeah, I think we are a good counter-attacking team. They're going to come at us because they're they are a great team. You know, like you said, it doesn't matter who's on their bench. Their bench is probably better than some teams' first team. So um, yeah, I think they're going to they're going to come at us. They've got a point to prove as well off the back of everything that's happened so far this season. They need to 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 bounce back. Um, but yeah, maybe that will suit us. Given, letting them have possession and, and you know breaking. Yeah, yeah. I just think we need to start well this week. We need no no wobbles. Forty five seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was off the, the but that was off the back of one of our attacks, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? We'd gone up the gone up the other end and then I mean it was a Balbuena mistake, wasn't it? Pretty much. Yeah, gave so um, much too much space. Um, yeah, I mean, but that was so. I mean, yes, on onto onto the last last weekend's game. Then um, that was that that was an incredible ball though from Kane over the top. Yeah, 
Oh, I mean, those two are those two are absolutely fantastic. You know, and I, I must. I was I was out. Uh, I couldn't. Work, I was out in the countryside on Beachy Head, and uh, we were three. We were three nil down within what fifteen minutes, pretty much. And I was like, might as well just jump off. And then I got in the car, <laughs> and I'm not allowed to listen to West Ham play football when I'm driving because uh, my girlfriend says I get much too excited. And it's dangerous to um, hurt the car myself and we'll die. And I, you know, you can't help it. You're driving along. It's like listening to really good, good music. It kind of it builds up and you just get it carried away and you speak or whatever. And so we were driving back from Beachy Head and then we stopped in McDonald's. I was like, oh, can you just check the West Ham score? Because it just seemed like at that point we were going to be losing by maybe like 5 0 or it was back to bad times. And then she was like, oh, it was 3 3. I was like, why is it finished? And she was like, yeah, it's full time. I was just like screaming my head off, and it was almost like dangerous in the McDonald's drive-through car park. Um, so, uh, I, was... I watched the goals back. Uh, I watched the goals back before we, we, we started recording. Um, and yeah, that that ball over the top by Kane was fantastic. Song Song just does what he does, and and it's really frustrating for us. Um, but it it was quality. The second yeah. one though, how Kane worked his way through. Yeah, you know, we had so many players back, and he just kind of skipped through them and, and he, he not made rice didn't he which yeah is that was it that All second rice. that was the second one which you know you don't see that happening very often do you no no i mean yeah i mean it, it's hard to 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 praise a team that you dislike so much but as i said to sam on last week's you know I don't think any West Ham fan denies the fact that Spurs are a great team. That's that's definitely yeah. not the case. Um, we just don't like the fans. Um, and then the, the third one, I felt bad again. I, I really like Cresswell, and it feels like I'm always digging him out. I'm not, but he was absolutely at fault for that third one because he didn't, you know, Kane had a, a free header um, at the back yeah. post. Um, I think Cresswell's been much better since he's been moved into the middle. So oh, I'm definitely. definitely not a Cresswell hate. I think he's, I actually think he's great. Um, and I think now he's got that position, it's definitely going to suit his game better. But um, yeah, after that 15 minutes, I was just like, why did I pay? Well, actually, after the first <laughs> one minute, so like, why did I pay £10 to watch this? Yeah. Uh, I suppose at least it wasn't 15. But yeah, why did, why did I pay a tenner to watch this game? Um, but yeah, like the, the comeback was nail-biting stuff. Because... You've gone from, well, we're absolutely going to lose this now. Why am I still watching this game? To, you know, second half, why am I watching this game? Why am I watching this game? Why am I watching this game? <laughs> Flicking through my phone, looking at the screen, kind of getting distracted. And then you know, then we get a goal. And, like, obviously, that's that's fantastic. It was a great header from Balbuena. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you still don't think... Yeah, at that point, I'm thinking, okay, well, if we can get another one, then at least the goal difference won't be affected too badly. And then that one came, and it just seemed at that point that Spurs had fallen apart a little bit. It was almost, it was quite shambolic um, how that goal came about. You know, I think it was great uh, the work outside the box. You know, you had Yarmolenko and, and Kufel. Yeah, yeah, so he backheeled it and he's, he's crossed it in. I think Bowen's going to bury it, so the, the, Sanchez has to do something, but that is a very calamitous head, um, header. <laughs> very calamitous, yeah, sorry to say it. <laughs> and, um, oh, sorry, I didn't mention, actually, uh, Cresswell um, had the assist, didn't he, for, the, for our first goal, so he, yeah. he more than made up for it. And then, obviously, his, his free kick 
they've tried to clear it. All they had to do was hoof it at that point, and they've just kind of knocked it outside the box. And, and what a strike from it was incredible. And the way the way of of Bonner kind of came in, yes, just to to block with that block was so cheeky. Yeah, yeah, that was I, I, that was absolutely fantastic. I love that. But it was, I mean, just like to. Just he's he's just like all right. I'm gonna absolutely panel this and see what happens. But it, then he doesn't seem like a see what happens, does it? Because it it, it no. just it was beautiful. Absolutely, it was what, absolutely perfect. It was perfect in every way. I mean, in my in my house, I get told off if I shout when we score. But yeah. Pete had come downstairs at this point. He'd gone up and had a bath when I watched the first half. Came downstairs. He's in his dressing gown. Sort of sat there. So oh, how's it going? Losing three 0 Oh, okay. And then he's kind of, he knows the, the situation with Spurs and he's watching it unfold and he's kind of finding it amusing. And then I've just jumped up in the air going, yeah, <laughs> on the top of my voice. And usually I get told off, but he just looked up and laughed because, you know, the, the comedy of Spurs doing what they did was just, yeah, he, he, he absolutely got it. I mean, I think it, what, well, yeah, I mean, it was a draw, but what it says to me, that result is the thing that we've been lacking for so long that we can actually come back from being down you know it's not just like oh in in um against wolves and leicester we 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 held our lead and we kept a clean sheet we didn't do the thing of going ahead and then losing the game which is what we i think we've got one of the worst records in the premier league for, for that yeah we we held on we kept a clean sheet sheet and then with the spurs game we didn't just do that we we it was it was harder than that we came behind from an absolutely massive deficit and and the and the kind of the psychological blow of, of conceding three times in the opening 16 minutes that's that's not like us to come back from us and that's why no. i think it felt it felt so much more exciting than a than a draw and you know and, I, and that's what you know if we could do that against spurs why why can't we do that against anybody yeah, yeah, I, I think it speak, yeah, definitely speaks to the character of the players and the change in their mindsets that they, they carried on. But I also think it's quite good that um, Moyes made some substitutions and they made all the difference. And I'm hoping, you know, yeah. light bulb, maybe you can do that more often when we're, yeah. you know, a bit further into <laughs> yeah. the game. But they were quite, what was it, 77 minutes? So they were fairly late, weren't they? There was, um, yeah, they were still very late. But... But I mean, it is that thing, you know. One of my very best friends is a, a Spurs fan and everything. But there is that, that the extra little sweetness that we we have a habit of ruining their special days. You know, like oh, you yep. know, the first team to score at the new stadium. It's Gareth Bale's coming back. And, I've got some notes here from from the last one. So this is what Sam said uh, when I asked him what uh, you know what, what's the situation with, between the two fans, and he said, "You think you're on our level." But you're not, and like everything you said after that was really quite condescending and patronising. And like I tried to explain to you at the time, it's not that we think we're on your level. We think you're a better team. We know you're a better team, but you ain't as good as you think you are, and you're yeah, too yeah. fucking cocky. And it it's very amusing for us to be worse than you on paper, but to fuck up your day. That yeah. is, that is the di that's the difference. It's like we don't think we're better than you. We just think you're ourselves. So we want to fuck up your day. But they, I think they were absolutely the architects of their own demise in that game because um, Kane was clearly trying to get the, the hat-trick. Um, if he'd been less selfish, I think there's a few opportunities yeah. for him to, to, to put someone else through. If he'd been less selfish, if Bale hadn't fucked up, and I'm sorry, but I'm absolutely over the moon that the Bale fairy tale 
story yeah, I yeah. did not play through. I'm sorry, every wanker pundit on the planet wanted to have that to talk about, but instead he scoffed it. Yeah, exactly. And 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 that's the thing. And I, I think you know, whatever. I don't know what he's like as a person or anything. But if if you can have somebody who's that well paid and but you know he's just spent now what a couple of years playing golf on a giant salary. And he's come back to, you know, I, I kind of want him to, to not succeed. I, don't, I mean, not in a personal level, but I just think it says something about celebrity power of these footballers. And, you know, this age of these, you know, I and mean, there's always going to be superstar footballers, but I find it very boring. Um, and and I, I, I just kind of want him to keep scuffing it wide. You know, I, I think yeah, that there's something so much. There's something so much more romantic about um, a Colton Cole goal than there is about a Gareth Bale one because he's yeah. not he's he's not overly celebrated. In fact, you know he 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 was kind of mocked by some quarters. So when he did something great, it was even better because it's like, well, you said he was shit, but look what he's just done to you. Like yeah. the the guy who tweeted, "Oh, we bring on Gareth Bale and they bring on Lanzi." Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> oh, the sweet sweet poetry. Yeah. There was a lot, yeah. And is is Gareth Bale going to drive his car into a house dressed as a snowman? He isn't, is he? No, he's not, he's he, never going to do, do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we definitely have. Um, we may not have the celebrity and the star power, but we definitely have the characters. But that, I mean, that, and that's the thing. I think we have the characters now. I mean, like that Spurs team. There's not a there's not a personality really in that team, is there? There's no there's nobody particularly who, who's like Antonio or just that kind of the deep. Decency of like Rice and Noble, or you know Masuaku is quite a funny fella, isn't he? You know, and, and yeah. we there. I do think maybe it's because you, you have you're always a bit biased because you you're able to see your own team on social media or anything. But I don't I don't think I don't think Spurs are quite as as uh, it's, it's not as bad personalities. No, I think that's part of the thing of them taking themselves so seriously as well, though. Because I think, you know, and I'm not going to try and say that I, but this is, you know, something that's unique to my perspective. I was listening to the Stop Hammer Time podcast. That's fantastic, by the way. Listen to it if you if you don't already. But they were talking about it um, on their last show about how Spurs have got this big, big club mentality. They always talk about how big they are. But by doing that, it makes them seem so small. And, 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 you know, that Lanzini comment is one of the things. The fact that they couldn't hold into a lead, get a 3 0 lead against, you know, little old West Ham is another thing. But then, yeah, the, the kind of boring nature of their players kind of is part of that. It's like, yeah. you, know, you see yourselves as super professional and all the rest of it. It's like, mate, you, you play football for a living. Have a laugh. Just have a yeah. fucking laugh. <laughs> and it's that, you know, big team mentality. That's what Pellegrini kept saying, is it? It's boring. It doesn't get you anywhere necessarily. That was his little catchphrase in his tedious press, press conferences. I remember that every every time. Oh, we've got to have a big team mentality. Stop saying that, man. Well, just, you know. Yeah, it's boring. I mean, look at um, Kufel, who's just come in. Um, I prefer a player like that, a player who has got a bit about, um, he's got grit, um, just seems like not hard. I hate the, you know, the term the hard man football. I'm not talking about like a thug, but just someone no nonsense who gets the job done, picks themselves up, dusts themselves off, puts in a shift. That to me is so much more satisfying to watch than some, you know, um, you know, again, like kind of superstar media trained. You know, look at Declan Rice's um, post-match interviews. Yeah, How yeah, great are they? But he's but that's he's always like that, isn't he, Rice? In in his post match interviews, like he, he, you know, and that's why when when I saw that video when we beat Chelsea last year, and he was made up, you know, and you and 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 you see you see his how happy he is uh, when we win, and he he's you know some footballers even when they win they they're boring, 
but he's really he's he's got his passion now and that's when I thought I was quite confident all summer that he was going to stay to be honest um and I think you know Kufal's come in and he's he's obviously like he loves the club already. He's really into playing for us. And I think we, we've got some really strong characters in in the dressing room now, not these sort of fa fancy players, you know, we've spent loads of money on and it's not quite gelled. I do think we've got some proper kind of tough grafter people. I think Bowen is, you know, he seems like a really humble young lad. He's come up for what, Hereford to Hull and then to us and, he seems down to earth and pretty solid as a person. He's still got his mates back home in Hereford. And, you know, I really like that. That's that's the sort of team I want to see at West Ham. You know, that, that's what excites me, really. I think the working class identity of the club does really uh, bring something out of some players. And I think, you know, maybe Kufo and Suchek, um, I don't know if it's to something to do with the part of the world they come from, but for them to go to... Um, a working class club and immediately kind of click with it and identify with it. I think that's a natural thing that, that happens. And I think the same, like you say, it's hum humble beginnings going to a, a less uh, prestigious club, but one that is supported heavily by the working class. I think that's got, it, it just works. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, I think that, you know, the big excitement's been Ben Rama coming in. And, you know, I was a big fan of Dean Garner and I loved watching him just on the few games we saw him before he went out on loan last year and I was so excited when he was back and I loved the pre-season games I paid my little well no free weren't they but I, I, I just I just thought he's an exciting player and I was so gutted when he when we sold him and I, like a lot of us we were just like what is this board doing like flogging one of our best academy prospects you know I, I, I think it still sends a terrible message to the academy players now but and I was a bit like this Ben Rama you know he's one of those sort of like YouTube clip players you, you can see him do fancy stuff on, on online has any you know I've never seen him play um, play a game is he any good but then I must admit when he when he when he did his trade uh, his signing video and his mum was there and then you hear yeah. about him giving giving all that money like yes big bonus to the Brentwood stuff and I was just sort of like I oh, actually I'm kind of, you know, more than whatever I'm going to see in some video the club put out from the training ground today. That's what interests me. He's got his mum there. He looks so happy on his Instagram stories, like with holding up the shirt. He looks like, yes, I'm in the Premier League and I'm proud to be playing for West Ham. And I thought that was really, really, really interesting to see the way he actually seems quite hungry to play for us, not just to be shipped halfway across the world to be in the Premier League and live in some like flat in a tower in Canary Wharf, like some of our signings in recent years for a lot of money. I think he's, he's really hungry and I might, I kind of like, oh, actually, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm more excited by him now. And that's not because of what I've seen on the pitch, it's because of what I've seen of his attitude, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I um, get my words out. I think that the thing that he did so let me get this right. What he did was he was entitled to a loyalty bonus because he'd stayed past a certain date. But because he was still leaving, I think there's contention around whether or not he got the bonus. So what he said to Brentford was, well, look, instead of us, you know, toing and froing about the bonus, take that and give it equally to all of the staff at Brentford. And if you agree to that, then I'm happy with those terms. And then, you know, we, we can sort out the rest yeah. of the contracts. Um, and I, yeah, I think you're right. That is such a... A fantastic thing to do because if you're you know just from the position that, that we're in you know we've met people you've met people who work for the club I speak to people regularly who work for the club through the work that we do 
and seeing um, the the jobs that they do, the hours they pull, and I, I I don't want to comment on their salaries, so I don't know what they earn, but I bet it's a damn sight less than than people would probably um, expect when you th- when you think about football as a whole. You remember when um, Gold Sullivan Brady came in, they talked about making sure the staff turned off the lights, for example, to save electricity. <laughs> so so I, I I would think that they're probably not paid as much as they damn well deserve. Yeah. Um, but to be in that position, and we're talking about probably security staff as well, and you know uh, drivers and and the canteen staff, and for all those people to just suddenly get a lump of cash, and it's like yeah, this is your goodbye present from a footballer. That must be really really touching. You know, in a world yeah. where footballers seem to be these, um, you know, everyone judges Marcus Rashford because oh, he's trying to help people, but he earns hundred grand a week or whatever. They get judged quite harshly sometimes, and I think that's a really nice touch. Yeah. Particularly at the moment when, you know, there's, there's definitely people you'd have given money to whose partners are struggling because of their jobs in COVID and all sorts. You know, I think it's probably made a big difference to people's lives. You know, I think that's great. You know, and, it, yeah. and it's not, you know, I think that he, he, didn't, he, he didn't do that to show off or, or, or he didn't make a big deal out of it. You know, I'm not saying Marcus Rashford that does. I think what he's doing is no, incredible at the moment. Agreed, you know? yeah. Um, and it's, you know, when you see players do something like that, because I don't know whether maybe lots do it on the sly. I'm not sure whether they do, but like, you know, like Noble in, in COVID, he, he's been giving money to quite a lot of different organisations and helping them out um, to help people through the pandemic. And just those kind of players who, who are actually, you know, like you're saying, thinking, thinking about the community that their team is a part of, uh, really feels like something that I, I, makes me want to get behind that player, really. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't considered... That that kind of angle of it with Ben Rama in terms of it, you know, showing that he's potentially a humble, down to earth guy, and he appreciates he appreciates those things more. So maybe, yeah, maybe he's a good match for the club. We're 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 yet to see, I suppose, but I'm no doubt we'll find out very soon how he's going to hit yeah. the ground running. Maybe, maybe this weekend, who knows? Um, but uh, I think compare that to, for instance, and I'm not going to, I'm not trying to knock any particular clubs because, you know, I, I get on very well with people from certain clubs, but um, Arsenal kind of canning good old Gunnosaurus for yeah. I think he is on like, I think they said he was on something like 23 grand a year <laughs> and he gets canned. And then Ben Rama's like, yeah, take my bonus and give it to, yeah. uh, to the staff. That's just goes to show two sides of the, of the footballing world. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's, let's have a quick chat because we've been on for a little while, but let's have a quick chat about, the ownership of the club. So I don't want to be in a position to start banging, you know, uh, banging one drum or the other on this, but you and I have had some chats about this. Um, what, what, let me throw you straight in. What do you, what do you think of the situation at the moment with the owners and, and where do you see it going? Uh, I think it's, it, it, it's bad to be honest. I mean, I, I was probably for a long time willing to give them more, uh, more time than most. Uh, you know, they did, Pick the club up at a very difficult time after the Icelandic lot. Um, I do think they have put money in. It's just they invested it badly. They've, you know, Sullivan's not the wheeler dealer he thinks he is. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, I do think I get. I, I sort of feel for David Gold. I can't help but feel for David Gold to an extent. It's his childhood club. He grew up around the corner. He is a genuine, massive fan. It, he's being dragged through the shit by all of this. And it must be horrible at his age, you know, to, to kind of feel like the 
the fans of the club that you see yourself as one of the fans, they all hate you. Um, I just think, I mean, my dad, you know, he's a, a good Christian man and he's pretty much, you know, when they came in, he, he doesn't like the, the sort of the dirty money, you know, where it comes from, all the porn and everything. He didn't like the way they were at Birmingham and it kind of put him off West Hampton extent. And, you know, he doesn't like the stadium and all this sort of usual stuff for a man of his age. Um, and I just think they, 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 David Gold will tweet a picture of Dean Garner and then we sell him. And obviously David Gold hasn't probably got much of a say about that. That was obviously a Sullivan deal. Um, I don't know. I, I just think they need to get out. I, I can't, I don't think they've got the money. You know, we've been talking about that and, you know, you look at what their businesses are. They're all in struggling sectors that they're, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not, got oil money they're not part of a consortium I mean that's the thing you think but it's not just single owners a lot of the time there's big rich Americans there's consortiums of very rich people yeah. they're they are a very rich bloke a not so rich bloke and a woman who's just on a salary um and and you know I, I don't want to you know she gets a lot of stick and you kind of as soon as you're kind of giving stick to a woman you like, have to be careful because you know am I focusing on her because she's a woman but no she she's dreadful that stupid column in the sun she does i read I and mean, I, I never read the sun but i always read her column just because it turns up and she just says stupid things you know like the stadium's safer than anywhere else and then uh you know our team the sun the generally i would i think is 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 printed clickbait and i think that article um, sadly falls into that into that yeah. category and the thing is you know she's a private individual who's free to make as much money as she wants however she wants but when it's football related it's it's directly linked to her employment to West Ham so if she makes comments in that you know this, this is the thing as a fan you are whether in directly or indirectly you know judged by things that are linked to your club that column is linked to our club and and so we feel the embarrassment of anyone who you know sees some of this stuff and, and thinks, come on, what's, what's this nonsense about? But we we're in the unenviable position where it's where it's tied to us. Um, I do get what you're saying about David Gold. Um, I mean, you know, it's, there's there's websites close to you know the the insider kind of websites. I won't uh, name any names, but who who printed that? Um, yeah, they keep an eye on the accounts and things like that. And I think. Uh, it was like a million quids worth of equity or something taken out last year um, by David Gold. I think this year we all saw that he sold the original FA Cup for like three, three quarters of a million pound or whatever. So he's obviously not making as much from the club as people seem to think he is. Because uh, I know that people talk about the interest payments. I'm not saying that they don't take them. Clearly they do. But I think that does go to show that he's not making a profit out of this if he's having to no. get money from these ways so it does make you think what is the end game here is the end game that you just want to sell but only for a certain price and if it is you know football is a rich man's game and if you're if you can't invest to keep your team up then you may end up with a devalued uh asset and that doesn't help you either that being said obviously you know this season we're doing quite well, even though we've not really... Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. They're, they're, they're going to be able to turn around and say, 
ah, look, we were right. I did, you know, did this and that. I mean, I felt that he, he bought Ben Rama. I know he hasn't bought Ben Rama. Now he's got him on it. I mean, no. actually, I think, you know, I do think something like on Friday, all oh, the, the West Ham Twitter was like, Sullivan, you know, like, all this, but he can't even sort out Ben Rama. Ah. You know, people go as if it was all Sullivan's fault. Actually, if there was a medical issue that we weren't quite sure about, to not spend... 30 million quid on a player and actually get them on loan until all of that's confirmed for a season. And then you get to buy them at the end once they've proved it and they proved themselves and it's all fine. Actually seems like a very sensible bit of business, to be honest, um, rather than dropping the deal because you're worried about these blood, mysterious blood tests or whatever, or, um, you know, and just abandoning it. And I'm glad we didn't get Scott King. So I'm not, I think he was overpriced. So I'm not quite sure how good he is. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, that was sensible. And I think I think there's a sort of level around those sorts of things when everyone's just getting so worked up, it gets a bit much. But I, I just, yeah, I just, they, they're just so crap at PR. They just do not know. Well, Sullivan... Exactly. That, that's the backdrop, though, against what you were just saying there. That may have been smart business, but the backdrop that's set against is every year trying to do some kind of dodgy deal or bringing a player yeah. that a manager doesn't want. And then inevitably it fucking up and we get the whole well we tried line yeah and that's what everyone yeah. was seeing was the we're like it's just coming isn't it that's what we're going to get we're going to get the we tried line I and mean, we didn't but you can't blame people for kind of getting oh, wound yeah, up where totally. they're so used to that narrative no, no that's true but I, I i and i think they 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 need to i mean what how there is maybe the club is uh, that uh, the people around them are yes people now and they just sort of don't tell them you know just how like David don't go on talk sport and talk to your mate and not answer any difficult questions you know I I, I just think I, I do I, I do have a thing with Sullivan you know he made his money in by pushing boundaries in pornography at a time when the moral laws were re re relaxing and he saw a massive open door and he ran through it and he made a lot of money quite easily through porn which is about the easiest thing to make money are out of in the pre-internet age if you're prepared to occasionally rub up against the law um and then that money went into property when soho was devalued largely because of the presence of all the sex stuff that he was involved with so he was able to get a lot of property at a cheap price just before a gigantic boom you know is he that good a businessman i'm not i'm not convinced he's he's that good a business it was a bit right place right time doesn't it yeah exactly and i wonder if his attitude to footballers is you know he saw women in the porn industry just as bodies who were transactional and they'd come in and he'd do deals on them and then they'd go maybe he, it's a mentality that he's got used to though i do know somebody who was actually worked in david sullivan's uh, sex mags uh, in the 1970s and she really? says that he was um he was the gentleman of the uh of, of, of the the, uh, the gentleman parent. of the sex world yeah he, he was actually all right <laughs> But then, weirdly, he lives up the road from my uncle and, uncle and, uncle and, uncle and auntie in Faden Boys uh, in his big hideous mansion that he built there on the edge of Epping Forest. And the security there is the sort of security you have if, if you've kind of wound some people up over your life. But there was something that my uncle and auntie told me about. I was sort of asking about him and saying, you know, what, what is he like in the village or whatever? And they're like, well, you see him in the forest sometimes, but he, he keeps himself to himself. But everybody uh, says he, he, he likes to basically out the back of his, his, his mansion there's the Epping Forest Deer Sanctuary which is a huge field where the deer can get in but they can't get out and they just live there and they graze and apparently when he has people around he says this is my deer park you know as if it's his 
And I thought that was that was just such a telling thing about you know how how he's deluded about his power and his wealth and so on you know he's not as rich as he thinks he is and he's not as good at anything as he thinks he is and that is having a really negative impact on West Ham Football Club and us as fans and it's time you know fair enough you know make fair enough if he makes a bit of profit whatever just you know get him out you know if, if, within the next couple of years uh, I would really like to see them see them gone yeah, I think it's it's just become a tired and toxic relationship. I think if you try, if you just uh, try and be objective about it and drain the emotion out of it for a moment and just kind of look at it from the outside, it it's not helping anyone. The fans no. aren't happy. They can't be happy. Um, and I just I, I don't know. I wish I knew what they wanted out of it because if it is that you know they want I don't know seven hundred million pound. Let's just pull that number. If that's what they want. Why that number? And why does that number matter when you already have hundreds of millions of pounds and you are the age you are? You're not going to spend it. You've already got loads to hand down to your kids. What is it, this obsession with a number that's so important to you that's going to make you go through all of this stress and aggro and be hated for a number you don't need? So I just, I just don't get it. And I think if you are a genuine fan, you would rather see you know get get a fair price for it you know get, make a fair return which they, they no doubt will and see it go into the hands of someone who can take it forward yeah um, so i think and, that and, stadium and, yeah. there is is an opportunity you know waiting to happen you know it's we got it for for a very small you know low rent and all the rest of it that's helped commercially um i think if a new owner comes in is able to buy that stadium and convert it this club would then get to that next level i think yeah, I mean, because that's the thing, isn't it? You look at that stadium and, it, yeah, it, you know, I think you and I like it more than most people um, do, by and large. Um, I, oh, yeah, I'm, 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 sorry, I'll put my hands up and I'll say I'm, I'm not a, a stadium apologist as much, but yeah. I do, I like it there. I, I don't, I think my seat was better at Upton Park. Absolutely, it was. The seat was, was much, much better. But I'm not going to look through rose-tinted glasses and think that Upton Park was any better than it really was because there are quiet, you know, quiet games over the Olympic Stadium. There were some fucking quiet games over at Upton Park as well. When it was roaring, it was roaring. When the Olympic Stadium's roaring, it's roaring. So I think maybe our own attitudes around that stadium is what's bringing the atmosphere down rather than the, the acoustics or, or whatever you want to blame. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, if we were in there this season and the results started, kept going as they are, then it would be people's views of the stadium would change and I think you know where it is with that all that kind of fancy real estate around it if somebody comes in and invests money in that stadium and stops it just being this sort of weird bowl surrounded by Meccano with a couple of like shitty yeah, bars squ square it off and bring it in squ and then they could probably build some infrastructure around it that they can make money out of anyway and it could you know what whatever and and it, it's surely not that difficult to just squeeze everything in a bit you know the um the structure is there i mean you know nobody does but i mean you know spurs stadiums i'm not being but it seems it it looks pretty impressive i can see it constantly because it's quite near my house they're <laughs> sort of looming but Indeed. you know that that that, that their, their finances are not good because of that stadium you know who knows what our finances are like because they seem to keep that you know uh, you know fairly quiet who, who, who knows but yeah and I, I think 
if it was if everything was bad with I think with Sullivan and Brady, really, if everything was really bad and they would just came out and said, look, this is how it is. We're, we're sorry we've had this bad relationship. This is the state of things. This is our long-term plan. Brady's going to stop doing her stupid column. Uh, you know, we, we're going to talk to the fans in a better way, maybe get some better social media stuff, because sometimes that can be a bit like, you know, having that, that, things last year, like Pellegrini at the wheel, just as it fell off. Jack Wilshere larking about in the fucking tumble dryer when we're paying him a hundred thousand pound a week, you know. Just don't don't let them do that. You know, somebody needs to say just 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 stop it. Um, and I don't know. Maybe when you're that rich, you know, power, rich and powerful people do get very deluded and are hard to shift. You know, I mean, we can see that in politics or. The way. Oh, let's not go down that route. Yeah, <laughs> I, was having, I was having fun up until that point, Luke. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it's, it's, been, it's been great talking to you. I think uh, we've got an exciting game ahead of us this weekend, yeah, for sure. Whether so. it's going to be 2-2 two, two or 4-4. Four, four, uh, it's going to be one of those two, obviously. I um, think so. We've, we've got to be right. Before we um, shoot off, do you want to tell the, the listeners, viewers, depending how you're consuming this media, um, where they can find you if they want to check you out online? Yeah, I am on um, Twitter at Luke Turner ESQ for Esquire. There's lots of Luke Turners out there, so I have to fancy it up. Um, and uh, I'm on Instagram, but I can't remember what it is. But basically, it's like lots of pictures of Epping Forest, if you like that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> the, the other great thing about East London that isn't West Ham is uh, yeah. you know Epping Forest, so there you go. And uh, yeah, you've got some, you know, got books out, and you write stuff in the in, in the Guardian, the BBC every now and then. So check out Luke, check out the stuff that he does. Got a great article on uh, LGBT groups and football. You know, I thought that was particularly well written. Cheers, Jim. <laughs> Thank you for your <laughs> contribution. <laughs> That's all right. You're more than welcome. No, uh, it's been fantastic talking to you. Um, we'll have to have you on another one soon. Yeah, love um, to. And uh, for yeah, everyone who's listening, watching, subscribe, uh, like, I don't know, all, all, do all of the things, do all the things to make our numbers go up um, and drop us a comment unless you think we're shit, in which case, um, yeah, just stop listening. <laughs> <laughs> That's us signing off. Come on, you irons. Come on, you irons. Yeah, there we go. Stop recording.